to play first half. P.J. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of At The Hive Live, brought to your SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm your host, Chase. I'm here with James, as always. We've got a fun episode for you today. In the first half, we're going to discuss a multitude of different things. We're going to start off with the play-in tournament and just discuss the general vibes of the Hornets fan base right now, how we're feeling going into the home stretch of the season. We'll talk about the rotation with all the, with the recent injuries, uh, both Malik Monk and LaMelo coming back and Cody Martin and Devontae Graham going down. And we'll also talk about some Cody Zeller versus Biz in the rotation. And in the second half, we have a really fun interview with the Hornets radio broadcaster, Sam Farber. So definitely stay tuned for that. It was a really great time. Sam is awesome. He does a great job calling Hornets games. And anybody that's listened to one this year has definitely heard him. So very fun interview. But first, James, how you doing? I think we're doing pretty good. Hornets, the Hornets are rolling to end the year. We we are doing good. Uh, I'm doing good. Hornets been playing. I've I've not been able to watch as many live games last week or two. So um, I've actually I've I've been a first holiday. Well, holiday like time off work for like a year or so. And I've been seeing some friends who I've not been able to see since the pandemic, which has been like absolutely incredible. But what it also means is I've been away and not being able to, to watch as much Hornets live. But I got back Saturday. I've binged quite a lot of the games. I've watched the last four games now. So I'm, I'm feeling like I'm up to date here. I feel like I'm up to date. And you're right. There, I mean, we've only won one of our last four games, but we're beginning to get some guys back. There's the feel-good factors there, and the, the schedule really softens up to, to play it out. And you know what, Chase? I'm a little bit nervous, and I've not felt nervous at the end of an NBA regular season in a long, long time. And it's a good feeling in a it, way. It is a good feeling. I mean, I'm, I'm a pessimist by nature as people who followed me for a number of years probably know, but uh, it's, it's just great to have games that matter at this time of year. And I know there's this championship or bust mentality, but it's, it's just not conceivable for all teams to compete for championships. And to, to have this little play in tournament, I don't care if LeBron James says he doesn't like it. I love it. Like it, it is fun right now. If this was like clinging on to the eight seed to find out who plays like the 76ers, Joel Embiid 76ers and just play four games and get destroyed. But we're going to have like real games here and, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about that before the show. Like imagine how we would be feeling right now if we were just counting down the days, just being like, okay, the Hornets and Pacers are separated by a game, half game, whatever the day it is. And then they're just going to battle it out for the rest of the season. And then they're going to match up with the Sixers in the first round. Like, that's not fun. I don't, I don't Joel, want to look. Joel Embiid's going to set records for yeah, like yeah. rebounds and blocks. In the yeah, like that's not, I, don't, I don't look forward to that at all. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any hope for the Hornets season to end at the hands of the 76ers. The play-in tournament, though, serves as like, we don't have to, we don't even have to win those games. We just get to play meaningful basketball games at the end of the year that they have like a real chance to win and like advance on to the next round from, even if that means getting into the first round and then getting destroyed. Like if they beat, if they're in the top two seeds in the playing tournament and they win that game, that'll be awesome. Like that will be the highest point in the Hornets fandom in, 
I mean, probably since they won that game in the Heat series. That, yeah. Like, that, in that, that, like won, I think that, that might be Dwayne it. Dwayne Wade buried the Hornets. Yeah. That, that like, is absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like, and that's, that was a long time ago. I, I that was like five, five, I can't do math in my head. Six years, five years ago now. Like, that's so long to go between waiting for games that are like truly exciting and fun for fans to watch. It, it, I've, moved ha- I've moved houses twice since then. <laughs> yeah. Like I have, I have graduated college and also moved houses twice in that time period. Like that is a long time. It's a long time for us to be waiting for a game that we can wait or really be excited for at this point in the season and like, have there be some hope that the Hornets are going to, you know, make a move on to the next round. It's, 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 it's fun. It's a good place to be. Like, I, I don't even care if they get into the playoffs or play in and then lose, like they got into the play in and they had a chance to play a game that was, was fun and meant something. And, and it's going to have, you can know it's going to have a play of atmosphere, even oh, with, yeah. oh, even yeah. with, you know, half capacity fans, whatever there's allowed that game, whether it's playing or what you might not call it the playoffs. It is going to have a playoff atmosphere. Those players are going to teach you like that. And if it does go to like a two-game series, again, you get really interesting. You get to read into the adjustments the team make. We're going to get to kind of really delve into what the playoff rotation is like. What's Borrego like as a playoff coach? How well can he prep for kind of a big game against like a single opponent? All these things, which are just so important. And I, I might be jumping the gun here, but... We, we, you know, we've got Lamella Ball, who is going to be a potential, potential franchise changing player. And straight, like, if you come in and you start sucking straight away, like, I, I, you cannot underestimate the amount of people mm-hmm. who are like, do I want to re sign in Charlotte? Whether that's PJ, Malik, Devonte, Miles, Lamella, whoever. If this team, if people feel like progress is getting made, that can only do good things going down the year. And I think Lamelo coming in and having this team potentially be in the in the playoffs, I think, you know, people have been telling him, you're going to go to Charlotte and you're going to be stuck in the lottery for the rest of your career. And that's what his friends and certain people will tell him. That is not going to be the case for this year. Yes, and that, I, I completely agree. It's a hugely important thing for the Hornets to establish themselves as, like, you don't have to win in the playoffs this year but you have to prove that you are an environment that's going to cultivate like a, a winning atmosphere and a place where you're like, our goal is to win in the playoffs. Not like, Oh, we'll piece together a run and get there at the end of the year. Like we want to advance in further on and, and make some, da- make some noise on the Eastern conference. And, and they're definitely well on their way to establishing like the base levels of that kind of thing. And I think that like, I'm glad. And I think that I'm glad you mentioned this too. I think that as, as we go into the play-in, the Borrego's coaching decisions will be not like more analyzed, but will be a lot more interesting to analyze because what he was doing with the rotation for a lot of the year was just like responding to injuries or someone playing poorly. But now it's like, you're not doing that. You have to just put the best player on the floor that can guard whoever you're the other team's best player is like at all times, because if you don't do that and you lose, you're done. Like the, the season's over. So that will be fun, fun to watch. And something that I think is important to that is the Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo uh, conundrum that we've got going on right now. Who, like, who do you think plays just in a, in a generic like play in tournament? Do you think it's like biz is the center in the rotation right now or Cody? I think it's biz. I'm, I, yeah. I don't really think it's much of a question. I, I mean, Borrego said after the games, you know, uh, he feels 
the team feel biz more out there. And what he means when he said that and he expanded was um, our defense is better with him out there. And like he, he communicates, he helps others more. And I think I've said this before, it's not something that shows up in the stat sheet, but the last few games, like he's been blocking shots. He's been like rebounding offensively, like incredibly well. Like he's getting a lot of second extra possessions. Um, he's been playing well. There's, he's definitely having like a better stretch. He's come on strong at the end of the year. So I don't think, you know, Cody's had some time out the rotation. He didn't look great in the Miami game the other night, but like everyone was overblown, I think, to this Miami game. I mean, he played five minutes, his first five minutes in like a few games and people are being like, oh, Cody's washed. Cody Wazella is not washed, right? He's played no. five minutes in a game that is coming in the third quarter of an intense kind of like regular season playoff meaningful playoff game in the sense that, that it really meant something with it being two teams in the in seeding and he's not played for a few weeks and you know he, he didn't look great i i concede that but he is not washed that there will be every time we think we set this something flips back the other way and and then the sentence is flip again but right now i think you'd be hard pressed to pick anyone other than biz because he, he's been playing well and and borrego's been publicly praising him out there as well yeah, and this really does just keep flip-flopping. Like, if you had asked me this, I think I, mean, I think we did talk about this on the podcast, like, what must be, like, a month, month and a half ago. Like, it, I, I would have clearly just said Cody, and that Cody would probably be starting. Not only that, but, like, now now it's not a matter of whether or not he's starting. It's whether or not he's just in the rotation at all, which it's, it's just – it is unfortunate because he hasn't been playing, like, that badly. He's just in, like, somewhat of a slump, which is, like, that happens to everybody. It's just at the a bad time, which – you know, James Borrego can only do so much with that. Like you got to put the best players on the floor that give you the best chance to succeed every night. And right now that is biz. And I think that what he said about like the team feels him like biz is probably the most uh, talkative, like communicative player on the Hornets. And at the end of the season, like what's going to get them like, th- like through a playing game or into the play, like a high seated playoff game and keep them in the seven and eight range or get them to win in that range is playing defense and biz is at least going to be able to instruct them to do that. Like the Hornets are going to score pretty much no matter what, like LaMelo and Malik came back and they put up one Oh seven and one eleven in back-to-back games with like relative ease, like not playing great offense. So like when they played, didn't play great offense while they were both gone, they'd put up 89 points or something like that. Like the, so now at least like we have a base level of offense that's going to support you, uh, you know, put score, 100 105 110 points a game they need to lock down on defense and at this like exact moment biz probably does help you with that more and i think that's probably why he would be in the rotation as well if the play-in games were today and that kind of is a is a good kind of pre-question to uh, another topic we want to talk about today cody mine looked like he really twisted that ankle doesn't look like he's gonna i would be surprised if he's available to go again in the next couple of weeks, if I'm honest, for regular season. And and he kind of, while Gordon Hayward is out, he pretty much locked down the Stark small forward spot um, pretty comfortably, I think. He'd had his, probably his best run of professional career over the last five, six games. So what do we think happens there? Like, do we think that Jalen McDaniels comes in, starts small forward like he did for a couple of games uh, a couple of weeks ago, do we think they try out the three guard lineup with Devonte, Lamelo, and Terry Rozier? Um, how do you how do you think it will go? And and by the time you listen to this, probably will pay play Detroit, so you might already have the answer. But irrelevant of of 
of kind of what it is. What do you think they should do? What's your personal opinion? If you're if Chase Whitney is head coach right now, Cody Martin is down. What are you trotting out there? Uh, see, if I get to make the decision, like I'm not, I really see, I really like the three guard lineup. I like experimenting with the three guard lineup. I'm just not sure if that uh, is like the time, if this is the time to be doing that, I guess, because it did work. It's not, it has worked at, in spurts. It did, definitely did not work all the time, the, but that was like really early on in the season when we didn't really know, like, or not that we didn't know, but when we didn't have, or we didn't have as much of a sample size of it. And then Lamella missed so many games. So now we haven't had a chance to grow that, but like, I think I would probably just start. Yeah. I think I would just, I would probably just have to go with Jalen McDaniels as much as I'd want to like trot out Lamella as the, as the small forward and use him as like a wing playmaker rather than a point guard. Because if you have, like, I think keeping Devante as your sixth man is pretty, or not sixth man, but sixth and seventh man with Malik, I guess, depending on the game, who comes off the bench first. Like, I think that's pretty important for second unit scoring. I don't think they'd be able to really keep up with teams without staggering the Lamelo and Devante minutes until Hayward comes back. That is, but because I mean, if when Hayward, if Hayward is back for the play in, then that's all, you know, the way he just, yeah, plays there's no conversation. Minutes, but yeah, but, but until then, like, I do think you need to kind of stagger Lamelo, Devante, Terry, so that you have all as much, like as many of your best scorers and playmakers on the floor at the same time. What about you? What would you do? I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn. I, I think the defensive answer is no doubt Jalen McDaniels. Okay. Like, yeah. He's coming off two of his best career games, which kind of got a bit under the radar, but he's like put up his season high as career high in rebounds two games in a row with nine. Like he, he's been really active. I'd actually go with the three goal lineup. I think Borrego trotted that out there earlier in the year when the, one of the very, very few games where the, they were all healthy they, they trotted that out there and, and it, it did pretty well and it looked pretty good out there. The only thing is, is when they put out that lineup before, they had Cody or Biz at center. So you had your three guards, but you had a big to kind of anchor the paint defense. Now they're playing PJ at the five and they don't have, you know, that same level of rim protection necessarily with those three guys and that same kind of rebounding presence. So I, I think that does affect it. I mean, Right now, I'm just looking cleaning the glass. With I just Mont- pulled that up too. <laughs> with Lamelo, Devonte, and Terry Rozier on the court, the Hornets are plus twenty. Yeah, two hundred and twenty-eight possessions. Okay, that's like one of the best lineups in the league. Um, with PJ Washington at the five, they've actually done pretty well. It's, it's again, it's only like uh, what are we looking at here? Like sixty possessions, so very very few. <laughs> but there's somewhere between. Uh, about plus 25. So even, even better with PJ at the five. So I think that's where Borrego's eventually going to end up with no Gordon Hayward there. I think this team is at its best when it is playing fast, getting out on the fast break, the ball is zipping around. Um, and I think Jalen McDaniels do, does run the fast break well, but he's not going to really kind of add much playmaking to you. Uh, he's not going to give you as good a driving kick as those other three guys. And the other thing, I think we've seen Devonte struggle a little bit coming off the bench. He, he's been much better this year starting. He's found his groove much more with the starting unit than off the bench. So I, I think they'll end up going for the three-guard lineup. I think Lamelo's looks so good, which we'll touch on in a minute. I think he's looked so good since he's come back. Um, that, that's how they'll, they'll end up. Yes, I think I might. Yeah, you might have just convinced me, I think. Just because... Yes! 
Yeah, can I, I, you just I because especially in a playoff game, like it's never bad to just have your best players on the court together, like as often as you possibly can. So for I mean, for now, like seeing what you have with that lineup is definitely not a bad idea. And I mean, for us, at the very least, it's it's fun. So we have that. We're we're not gonna. I don't think anybody will complain about watching Lamelo, Terry, Devontae, Miles, and PJ play together. No, not at all. It's, it's going to be, I mean, I've been pushing the PJ Washington at center argument. I think, I think it was like the second week of the season. I was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, like, it was a while I, ago. <laughs> it was a while. I was just like, from everything I've seen, like him and the team just keep playing better when he's at center. Like it's, it doesn't take a, I know it doesn't make sense in our heads because he was like a small forward slash power forward in college. Um, he is not huge. He's not a great rebounder. He is not a great shot blocker, although he's made a much bigger, a great jump yeah. this year. He's actually been much better on that end. Especially um, in the last couple of weeks, he's been really good. Yeah, and, and right now, like, shooting 40% from three, like, he's, he, he, after his slow start, he, he's come on really strong. So I've been pushing the PJ Center agenda for a while, I think, with the group they have. That's that's still the way to go. And, and that is a hard group, even without Gordon Hayward. Lamelo, Terry, Devontae, PJ, Miles... That is a tough group. Like I, I, that's matchup nightmares on the offensive end for the other team. Defensively, look, it's got its limitations. The entire Hornets roster has its defensive limitations, but we found a way to cobble together a semi-respectable defense through mucking it up with zone and changing up the schemes. And and you know, I think Lamelo, maybe the best thing since he's come back has been on defense. I mean, he's been everywhere. Um, getting deflections, blocks, steals. Uh, and if, if he can carry that, I think he can really bring something to that unit. Yeah, and no, I think they've really, like they, they've definitely found something here with this like starting group that they have. Because I know they liked Miles coming off of the bench for so much of the season because... I don't think you can send him back to the bench mm, now. No, <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> I, don't I don't think, think so. so and especially because it's if it's like, if you're doing that, you're being like, okay... So either we're starting Hayward at the four and doing a three guard lineup, which is like, I don't think you would do that. No. I just like, I don't, I just don't think the Hornets are going to do that for multiple or for a, a lot of different reasons, but they're mild. And then you're, the other option is to promote Cody Zeller or biz back in the starting lineup. And you just have no justification for doing that right now with how well PJ and miles are both playing, especially defensively because that's the only reason you do it to begin with there's no offensive benefit to either of those two starting over pj and or over the pj and miles front court so and with pj washington at center right now the in 762 possessions with him and Lamelo ball on the court or they are a plus 4.3 so the Lamelo point guard like pj small ball center lineup is that, that's working per, per cleaning yeah. the glass, cleaning the glass as it's working anyway. So I, I think I like, I like this going forward. They, they can, they, they, the three in between will definitely be probably changed more than once. I would say between now and the play in tournament, like I, I, they'd probably have a couple different starting lineups, especially if Hayward ends up coming back, which I mean, uh, we, uh, we don't have to like actually talk about that, but he doesn't seem very close. He just uh, got his walking boot off kind of recently, but I don't. I would be really surprised if he plays a game before the end of the year. I don't think he. Do you think that he'll play before this season? I, I think he might come back. I, I I agree. He doesn't sound close, and we know Gordon is not a quick healer. 
And we know he came back too early in the bubble last year and he looked to shade himself in Boston and then ended up kind of like re-aggravating the foot. And look, it's not like he's expiring this summer. He's on a four-year contract here. So we don't want to run him into the ground in year one. Um, I, I think there's a chance he maybe comes back in the last couple of games just to try and get some rhythm before playing. Um, but it's it's been pretty quiet on that front. And what I think will be really interesting is will Borrego think, okay, we've got seven, eight games left. I want to trot out the same lineup game after game, like if presuming Gordon's not back, this is, or does he go, well, we got to find out what we do here. Do we start Jalen McDaniels for a couple of games? Do we start the three God lineup? Like, do you think he goes down the experiment route or just kind of goes down? Look, I just got to play who I think my best guys are right now. Yeah. Like we know, we know he does like to experiment and he, he's had to for a lot of the season, but like, I mean, he's definitely a guy that's going to, he's going to pull all the rabbits out of his hat just to try and see, you know, make sure he's got everything laid out in front of him before he really makes an, a real decision on where he's going to go moving forward. But I would be surprised if he doesn't just be like, okay, Lamelo's playing well, Terry's playing well, whoever is going to play the three and then PJ miles are playing well. Like, I don't, I don't think it's time to really overcomplicate it. Like he did, he had a, there, it's been a long season for him to like mix and match the rotations. Uh, I think now he's probably just going to try and buckle down as much as they can. Cause they, you do want to get some sort of consistency in your rotation before the play. in I think, so that's not like the first game you have that like set grouping, I guess. So guys are like used to it. They've done it more than once. Yeah. Well, a little bit of breaking news, which affects our discussion, which you might not have seen yet. I have not. Devonte Graham is out of the Detroit game with a right knee discomfort, which that's been described as a right knee contusion before when he's been questionable. And I think he missed the game before. I think he missed the first Detroit game. Yeah, he did. And then he came and played the Miami game. Um, so that's a bit worrying. You know, it doesn't sound like it's a necessarily a contusion, like he's got a dead like a dead leg or anything. It does sound like right knee discomfort. Sounds like something that could be lingering. And he's that's been something. Is that the knee that he sprained earlier in the year? Can you remember? I, yeah, I, don't know. I think so. I believe it is. Yeah. yeah. Everything, so, I've, pretty much everything with the Hornets has been on the right side of their body this year. <laughs> like Gordon Hayward's right foot, uh, 90% of the team sprained their right ankle. Cody Martin got the left ankle. So the, the basketball gods switched it up on that. But, but yeah, again, that tweet too, it says Cody Martin out. Presumably yeah. that's not the only game that he's going to miss. Cause that yeah. looked, that was a gnarly ankle sprain and Cody Martin is a tough bastard. He's not going to writhe on the floor in pain and have to be carried off the court unless he like really has to. Yeah. So, so, so now the question is really is Jalen McDaniels is the most obvious option in a small forward, or if they're going to get really crazy, you insert Malik Monk into the starting lineup for the, like the three guard lineup still, which I'm, I, I think, Look, if Malik Monk had been back playing for two months and was on fire, I think they might look to do that. Yeah. With him just coming back from the injury and tweaking it the other night, I, I don't think they'll do that. So I do think we'll see. We, we started this conversation discussing what we think might happen. Now I think it's relatively clear it'll be Jalen McDaniels. Yeah, yeah, that pretty much. I'm glad that the Hornets PR wrapped <laughs> that discussion up for us in a timely manner. We got right, we hit all of our points, and then we found out exactly <laughs> what was going to happen right at the end. So that that worked out perfectly. But yeah, I mean that I, I like that lineup though. Like Lamelo, Terry, Jalen, Miles, PJ. Like that you've got a, a lot of length in that lineup. You've got plenty of shooting. Yeah. Obviously, lots of playmaking. 
And I mean, and the defense I, is. I a still great think. I still think that. Dis- I still think that discussion we had is relevant for when yeah. Devontae is back. Like, yeah, definitely. Whether it's next game after this one, a week down the line, like I still think that's something that's that's definitely worth us uh, having that discussion. Uh, yeah. So I, it won't completely be a waste of time. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, is there anything else that we wanna we wanna hit on before we roll into the break and get the interview with Sam Farber? Just please no more injuries, Hornets, yeah, like no NBA more. gods. Like it's it's every every day now. Like every time I see someone fall down, Lamelo did a layup and he fell down just like he did when he did his uh, wrist the other day, and I was just like scared as anything. So just no, just snake bitten this year with injuries. Yeah, he's got to learn how to fall. He falls, he like breaks his fall with his hands every time. It's like pal. You just sat on the sideline for a month from doing that. Like uh, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Scared. <laughs> the coaching staff will be working with him on that. I, I oh yeah. Do. I, I, I it's do like uh, like John Morant has the same problem. Like yeah. every time he dunks, he looks like he's gonna like break his legs when he lands. And uh, Memphis has also been like, "Can you please not do that?" <laughs> like I, I I don't know what it is with the with these young players. They they come in here, they just they fly all over the place and they land on their on the top of their head whenever they come out come off from a layup it's it's an it's a it's a problem yeah it is yeah but all right we'll roll into the ad break here and we will be back on the other side with an interview with hornets radio broadcaster sam farber very fun interview stay tuned And welcome back to At The Hive Live. We are joined today by Hornets radio broadcaster, Sam Farber. Thank you for joining us today, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. You know, Sam has just joined the Hornets radio broadcasting crew this year. Uh, he's been doing a fantastic job. The, it's very fun to listen to, the him calling the games if you can't make it to watch it on TV for any whatever reason. And uh, yeah, thank you again for joining us. But dive, to just to dive right into it here, I've always found it really interesting to hear like the career path of someone that is in the sports media industry, because it's such, everybody has such a unique path a lot of the time because it's such a unique industry with, you know, so many different ways that you can climb up the ladder to various different jobs and kind of bounce between different mediums like radio, TV, writing and all sorts of things. So when you were in college, like, did you know that this is kind of what you wanted to do in your, in your career and what steps led you to this point? I, I had a feeling, um, you know, I, I went growing up hoping to one day be an athlete and that just wasn't in the cards. Any uh, coach will look at me and be like, statistically speaking, that size and weight is not really a fit for professional athletes. That, w- that wasn't meant to be, <clears throat> excuse me, but yeah, my freshman year, I went to the sc- student radio station and uh, thought it might be something interesting and signed up to do a couple of games and, and was just hooked from, from day one and have been fortunate to be able to climb the ladder as I've gone, get more experience, worked a lot of uh, jobs for free or for internship credit, and uh, just, you know, very fortunate to make my way up eventually with ESPN and now finally uh, making it to the NBA. As a, as a small, short, and slow guy who also tried to play basketball and, and a range of other sports, I share your sentiment of, like, Quite early on, I was like, because I work in sport as well, not not media, but I work in sport. I was like, well, I love this world of sport, but I know I'm never going to play in it. So how like where is where do I fit into it? Where can I add value? Where can I kind of 
piggyback off some of that sporting buzz to like have a have a sporting career in this environment so so i, I 100 share that sentiment yeah, yeah. no doubt there, there's room for everyone here uh in in terms of love of sports and you know we we all have those dreams but you know hey we, we all find our part in the in the big puzzle yeah and that's like one of my favorite things about it too is like you can get into whatever facet of sports that you enjoy like you can work for a team you can follow a team you can cover a team and all sorts of that thing did you envision yourself like being a radio broadcaster for a team when you were coming up or when you were because I when I was doing research before this I saw that you worked at ESPN for a while covering like various high school sports and stuff did you kind of envision that being your thing or when the Hornets like job opportunity opened were you like oh this is like a new opportunity that I think would be really cool and I've kind of been wanting to do this for a while well certainly when the Hornets opened up that you know that is a dream scenario but I've always felt uh, since coming out of college that I've had my dream job you know, my, my dream was to watch sports for a living. Uh, you know, it's not the most altruistic one, but, you know, it, it's something that really made me happy. Uh, something I felt I was good at, I'm passionate about. And so that opportunity to do that, wherever it opened up was, you know, ideal for me. And, you know, being in Charlotte, this is a, a special place and a special organization. I haven't met anyone who works now or who has worked previously for this, for this team that hasn't been thrilled with their experience or wanted it back in many cases, you know, it, it's just really a special, special place and a special city as well. Um, but that said, you know, when I was doing minor league baseball or high school football and, you know, working for hot dogs or gas money, you know, I was doing what I love to do. And, you know, to your point about, you know, this being a, a, an industry where there are a lot of different ways to get into in terms of working in sports, it's very true. But the important thing, I think, for anyone coming up, figure out what you really love about sports. Maybe you love being a fan. It's okay to be a fan. We need fans. We need fans to pack the stadiums and, you know, listen to podcasts and participate in all of these different forums. Um, but sometimes, you know, I've met a lot of people who think they want to be play-by-play broadcasters or work in sports. And then they get the job and they realize there's a lot of things that happen when the game's not going on that maybe they don't like quite as much. So find what you're passionate about within your passion to uh, make sure you're leading the happy life you should. And I remember when the Hornets announced you you were joining them, um, uh, being UK-based, I'd not followed any years to be ESPN before, and I remember kind of searching on YouTube. And I think one of the first clips I saw was uh, was LaMelo in the background. I think it was at Spire or Chino Hills. And I was like, this guy's got the inside scoop. Like... <laughs> So just tell us a little bit about that experience. Kind of, do you remember that game kind of precisely or was it just one of many that you commentated on? No, it, it was a special game for me too. That was my first television basketball game that wow. I had worked for Fox Sports. So I had, you know, started doing some stuff for them uh, out on the West Coast, uh, but they, you know, hired me to do, it was a one-off at the time, uh, the high school basketball championships. And it happened to be this incredible Chino Hills team that had the ball brothers. That was the starring attraction. But as it turns out, three lottery picks played for that team, Lonzo ball on Kongwu and LaMelo ball and LaMelo. Even then you could see the, the flashes of brilliance. The only question there was at the time was would he grow? Cause you described your, your height earlier, James, and he roughly matched it. Uh, so, so, you know, he, he was the, he was a freshman. He was a freshman in high school. He was 14, 13, 14 years old. No one's expecting you to be six foot eight at that point in time. 
Um, but, you know, you saw his brother, you saw his parents, you had a, a feeling he would grow, but you never know. But in terms of watching his skill set at that time and his fearlessness shooting the basketball, there's even little movements. You know, I watched that game back uh, not too long ago. And there's little movements that he had then that he still has now. Uh, it's really it's fun to see. So what has your experience been like working for the Hornets so far this season? I, I could not have dream, dreamt of a, a better situation. And I had really good employers before, too. You know, I, I loved working at ESPN, really loved working at Fox Sports West and Prime Ticket now, Valley's West, and uh, and I, I guess Valley's Prime Ticket. I'm not sure if what, what they've changed the name there to as well. Um, you know, I, I've had my dream job for a long time, like I said, but this is really a special place. To be in the NBA, there's only 30 of these jobs. So, you know, to, to have – someone believing you that much really means a lot. Um, and to see you as, as someone who can be that voice of a franchise for hopefully decades. Um, but beyond that, you know, it's a place where I've got two young kids and a wife and, and we all, you know, as we've learned more and more about Charlotte, uh, both from the initial interview process and now with me actually living here, you know, we, we just could not have gotten any luckier. And as a as someone who kind of grew up in, in England, the, the very first thing I could do before I could watch any Hornets games, before League Pass really existed, I could listen to Hornets games online. And I used to listen to Steve Martin, and I think at the time it was Matt Carroll making the calls. And that was my first introduction to like live basketball, was like the Adam Morrison, DJ Augustin, Bobcat era. Um, and, and yeah, like hearing the game, was was so strange to me, uh, but I, I really like. I've always been somebody who, like loved radio. I, I like prefer listening to football or soccer matches over here than actually watching them at times. And frustratingly, and I'll have to admit this to you, Sam, because of the, how the rights work with radio now, I can't listen to Hornets games over here. So I'm going to hold my hands up here, Sam. I've never heard you call a game, not for the want of trying. I would love to. I'd love to hear it. But the the clips I've actually got are from the kind of mini movies the Hornets have done which they've put together seven or eight this year, which by the way, shout out to the Hornets media team for those because they are fantastic. Yeah, like, those are awesome. And, and a lot of your calls, I think, used for some of those. And that's where I've been able to see some of the clips, some like the buzz and the excitement and some of the calls that you've made, which luckily it's been always like really exciting plays that have been featured in those as well. Um, so I, I wanted to make that clear, you know, I'll admit it now, I've not listened to a game, but it's not for the want of trying. We just need to sort these international radio rights out, which I'm sure is way more complicated than I'm making it out. I, I have no doubt we'll have to talk to the league pass people to find out. I know there's like a, a radio league pass option, I think is, is 10 bucks and, uh, and you get all the, the radio calls league wide, but we'll have to see if that works internationally too. It might, might not, but yeah, no, yeah. To, to your guys' point, real access has really been wonderful. It, it's yeah. kind of like, for those who haven't seen it yet, kind of like a hard knocks type of viewpoint uh, where they're embedded with the team. They're traveling a lot of behind the scenes looks, um, which you really wouldn't get anywhere else. Um, but it provides just a, a different perspective. And it's really been fun. And even for me, I mean, I'm covering the team every day. I'm on every Zoom call. I'm on everything. And there are these moments where like, man, I didn't know that about what was going on. And, you know, you just find these things. And part of it's the pandemic um, and, and limiting our access. But even within that, you know, with all the restrictions, which all those people had to adhere to, by the way, every videographer, editor, you know, sound technician, all of them had to adhere to those to be able to make that personal sacrifice and go inside of their bubble 
and uh, be able to capture that content for our fans is really something special. So, and with all these pandemic restrictions for yourself as well, like what has your pregame routine been like before a game? So, cause I, I'm sure, you know, two or three years ago when you were preparing for a game, you know, walking into the arena, you get to go down, talk to people, walk around, do basically whatever you wanted to before the game. But now you got to adhere to all the protocols. How has that changed now in this in this season from years past? It, it's way different from what I used to do covering college basketball for ESPN or Fox. You know, I would you'd go to shoot arounds. You would you know have scheduled times to meet with coaches, players, whatnot. Get to the game a couple hours, maybe two three hours prior. Uh, get yourself situated, meet people. Uh, now it's very different. You know, everything is done on Zoom. Uh, you organize your phone calls. I try actually to go to the arena as late as I can to avoid just kind of interacting with anyone I'm not supposed to, uh, you know, let, let them set up all the protocols they need to. And really there's no, no reason for me to, you know, do certain zoom calls from, uh, you know, from my broadcast position versus here. But, you know, I think as a rookie in the NBA, I have an advantage of not knowing what normal really looks like. And so while I'm very much looking forward to, being at the arena three, four hours before game time, like I, I used to when I used to do pregame shows uh, for another NBA franchise, you know, this is a, a unique set of circumstances that requires everyone collectively to try and make a sacrifice so that we can have this season and hopefully have next season be normal again. Yeah. And one thing I've really liked this year that I think you started or the Hornets media team has started is the kind of the daily podcasts, which that, which the Hornets are doing, which, which I've been great. Um, I've, I've listened to a number of them over the season. And I have to say, like, me and Chase just about cobbled together one podcast a week yeah. <laughs> with, a, with a guest and, like, a couple of conversation topics. Like, I just want to hear, like, and this is kind of a little bit of podcast nerdy stuff, maybe for some listeners, but what is the process of that? And, like, how challenging can it be, especially after some of these tougher stretches, to, to kind of find talking topics and to plan those and find time for them every day? Just talk a little about your process for that. Well, we keep a pretty good log of, uh, of guests that we, we try and rotate through and not, uh, you know, overwhelm them. Like, hey, can you be on four times this week? We try not <laughs> to do that. Um, you know, the fun thing about the NBA is there's always something to talk about. And, you know, especially with this team as young and as exciting as they are. And unfortunately, with all the injuries, there's always new topics coming up. Like, who's into the rotation now that someone's hurt? Or who's out of it now that someone's back? You know, those kinds of things. Uh, there, there's always something to speak about. And just with the frequency of games, you know, we got one segment basically pegged the entire year, like, all right, it's either game preview or game breakdown. And then there's, you know, so many back-to-backs that we're doing both on the same podcast. So it, it goes faster than you think. Uh, I was looking back, I think we're up to 130 podcasts, wow. in like 134 days. Um, but, you know, for, for me coming in, uh, you know, I, I was asked, like, what, what's something you'd like to try and do? And I said, you know, I think a daily podcast would be fun and just trying to create more content for our fans. Um, you know, the, the team had tried podcasts before and, uh, you know, doing interviews with different people. And, and there's a lot of great content there. But I think of podcasts today uh, almost like the way a newspaper would be like, you know, you don't necessarily you didn't necessarily read the newspaper every day, but it was there. You know, you could buy it or it was, you know, sitting in your driveway or whatnot. And, you know, you, it's just there. And for me, I, I didn't I, I'm not, you know, 
I'm not the Woj pod here, okay? I, you know, no one's going to be like, oh my God, Sam Farber talked to someone, so we got to download this podcast. I don't think of it that way. Certainly, we've had some episodes like that when we interviewed LaMelo. That was a big day for us. Um, Mitch Kupchak, similar types of numbers. Um, LaMelo's definitely number one, though, on our, on our ratings list. <laughs> I'm, is is Michael year. Jordan next week, is he? Is he? We're, we're, we're working on that. <laughs> we're, we're working on the boss. Um but, you know, we, we look at it as something that is there for our fans. And, you know, any day, you know, if you're thinking Hornets or you want some extra content, it's there for you. And if you forget about it for a couple of days, you know, we've got a fresh one waiting for you when you come back. No, that's great. And that's exactly how I've used them. Like if I've missed a game or if I've been kind of off the radar for a couple of week, like days or something, I know I can just like, oh, I can listen to two quick hits and I can catch straight up and I know where I'm at, which is, which is really useful. So, so no, they're great. And just a well done for like the grind of that, especially in like this kind of shortened season where there's even more games, like you say, it's, it's gotta be really challenging to, to fit that all in. It, um, it's there yeah. for anyone who wants it. The Hornet Tive cast, they're usually between 20 and 25 minutes. So if you're commuting to work, probably if it's, you know, if it's taking you more time to get to work than the podcast is move closer to work. <laughs> great thank you so what is so far if since you've been moving to charlotte recently what uh what are your impressions just of the city and of the team as a whole really well i mean the the team is fantastic i mean just the welcoming environment and the exciting nature of it i mean they're really building something and they're doing it the right way you know we just played miami the other day it didn't go the hornet's way but you can see in Miami, a team that is probably, in terms of the development process, two years ahead of the Hornets. You know, their, their main uh, big man piece, Bam Adebayo, is two years ahead of P.J. Washington. Uh, you know, they've got their superstar in Jimmy Butler. The Hornets have one in Gordon Hayward. I think healthy Gordon Hayward makes a big difference in that one. And then, you know, they, there's, there's young pieces all over the map. And, you know, that's a franchise that was in the finals last year. I think we could very well be looking at the foundation of a Hornets team right now that is heading that direction. So the team has been great and in terms of the city of Charlotte. I mean, you, you just can't beat it. I mean, the thing I love most, I grew up in the Bay Area in California, uh, San Jose, where there was a lot of suburbs, just a ton of them. And the downtown was very easy to get to. And uh, San Francisco was a little tougher, but, you know, there were major sports teams around. The thing I love about Charlotte is it's, it's got a lot of similarities to that. A lot of suburbs, a lot of great neighborhoods to live in, fantastic people. But getting into Uptown doesn't take two hours. You know, if you're 20 miles away from Uptown, that's 20 minutes to get into town. And uh, traffic isn't a nightmare. Parking isn't a nightmare. Uh, everything is there at your fingertips. So it's just a wonderful place to, to be and to live and to uh, have the foundation for me and my family as well. And have you been recognized yet by a, by a Hornets, like a keen Hornets fan who like follows Instagram or has seen you on the Hornets broadcast or anything like that is anyone can stop you in the supermarket or anything like that yet it's been very seldom I, I try and adhere to the the COVID protocols as best I can uh but every once in a while I'll be out for something that I need to do and and someone will recognize me and which I I find odd because you know I'm I'm a radio guy but I'm a, <laughs> a vocal component here but uh no it, it's been a lot of fun and and just what a, a wonderful welcoming place and, uh, you know, to try and carry on the legacy of a guy like Steve Martin, who, you know, was just at the best of the best and left such a great legacy here. And even he's been just wonderfully welcoming to me. I had the, the privilege of meeting him 
uh, earlier this season. So cannot be more excited and ecstatic even to be here in the Queen City. And I've got a little Charlotte Hornets bobblehead collection, which, which you guys can see on Zoom. The Steve Martin one, I'm, I'm hunting that down, that baby, like face, <laughs> eBay, like I'm, I'm trying to find that somewhere because I really want to, want to add that to mine. So, um, all right. So you talked a little bit about some of the kind of the other sports that you maybe, you maybe touched on before the Hornets. Do you have any kind of other favorite sport or sports you'd like to call other than basketball? Oh, whatever's in season. I mean, I, I just love the excitement of those moments. And, you know, it's, it's another thing about, you know, I touched on earlier, like you have to find something you love within sports. It's not enough to be like, well, I'm a basketball fan. So I think I want to go into the finance department of a basketball team. And that's going to make me happy. If you don't love finance. You're probably not going to be happy there. You know, it's not enough to just work for a team. You have to love what you do. And I really love calling games. And it's something I learned very early on that, you know, a lot of sports are similar basketball and soccer and lacrosse. They're, they're basically the same concept. You just score a lot more in one than the other. Uh, you know, I've done, you know, tr normal track and field type races. I've done, uh, you know, uh, sport climbing, uh, which will be an Olympic sport this year for the first time. I've done the great sport, games. great spectacle. Sport climbing is fascinating. I've watched it, it a few is times. Unreal speed climbing, especially. I can't run as fast as they're climbing <laughs> a wall. It is insane what these people can do. Um, but, you know, the, the concepts are the same. It's a race. So, you know, in, in those moments, you just get into it. And, and that's what I really love about this business. And it's what speaks to me. And I've always enjoyed the prep and the study and, and all those things. Um, and so I've, I've led a very charmed life, I must say. How old were you when you called your first game on radio or on TV, I guess, if that came first? I was, I had to be 18, almost 19 at the time. Okay. You got in. Yeah. You definitely got in there. That's so, that's so crazy. Like to always think like, cause everybody gets into it at a different age, but I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts of people that do like radio or TV. And it's always like, Oh, I called my first game when I was like 16, 17, 18. It's always so funny to think about like being that at that age, like, and being able to prepare yourself for that. What like is, has that always been something that you were like good at is like finding the details for like a, preparing for a team and, and like just knowing about not only the team that you're working for, but the one that they're playing against on that day? Well, I've, I've always been a, a stat nerd. I was a math minor in college, so I've always loved numbers and, and been able to do quick stats in my head. And I've always been sports obsessed. You know, my, my gifts growing up for the holidays, they were always sports almanacs. And I would read them like cover to cover. I just fascinated with the stuff. So, you know, it's less work, it's more fun. Like I think if I had a normal job, and was just a fan of the Hornets, I'd be reading the media guide cover to cover anyway. So I'd want the game notes. I want all that stuff. Um, so it, it's, it's more fun for me and less work, but I, I know there's a lot of broadcasters for whom that is the work component of it. They, you know, they love game day and I love game day too. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about looking through someone's bio or, you know, reading this random article or watching some pod, you know, some show or a podcast or whatever it is. And finding that nugget, you're like, aha, I'm going to drop that in the game sometime. And, uh, and I mean, my, my game boards, I'd say 80% of what's written down never gets, gets talked about just because the game's so fast and, and there's not time to get to it. But I know one day I'll have the opportunity and we'll squeeze in that fun fact about Cody Zeller and how his hometown, you know, kind of put the pressure on him to win state uh, player of the year in Indiana because they left the billboard 
with his brothers and then an empty space where his head was supposed to go. <laughs> no pressure, Cody, but this billboard is getting changed one way or another, or either taking your spot out or putting your face up there. So <laughs> That's awesome. That is so, uh, have you gotten to drop that one on, on air yet? We, we've gotten that one and he gave, he gave it to us in a podcast. And I mean, it's just, you know, that, that for me is the fun part or, or one of the many fun parts of the job. And it, curious, like this is your first time kind of working for a team. How have you found parking that? Cause I'm, I imagine you're like cheering for Charlotte now in these games, whereas before you were working cause like an independent call it a game, whereas now you're working for like the organization have have you found you've had to kind of change your delivery style or at times like stop yourself from cheering like for the Charlotte Hornets? Have you found that at all? You know, I don't, I think as an announcer, you know, you, you know who you work for and who you're talking to. I'm talking mostly to Hornets fans uh, that does, you know, so that means my excitement is a little bit higher for, you know, LaMelo ball doing something versus, you know, Bam Adebayo. But if Bam Adebayo, you know, jumps from half court and dunks, like I'm not going to pretend that wasn't a big deal. And we see that all the time. But, you know, sometimes you'll hear the other team's radio call or TV call of Miles Bridges and, you know, dunking on Clint Capella. It's not like, and Miles Bridges drives a lane and you know, I scored two points moving on. It's not like that. You, you know, you, you call it like you see it, but you certainly have more excitement and more um, invested time and research into your team than you do the others. So I look at it as, you know, it's, it's not a biased broadcast in the sense that I'm, you know, if the ball's out off, you know, if you heard the game last night, there were a couple of calls the Hornets didn't like. I'm watching the replay. I'm like, sorry guys, that's a foul. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, you, you got to call it as honestly as you can. You can't, uh, you know, to me, a Homer is someone who everything that their team does is right. And nothing the other team does ever is right. Uh, you, you kind of have to be more honest with your audience about it or else they're not going to believe you when you are telling the truth and the foul actually is a bad call on your team or, or vice versa. I think, I think that was me last night when PJ blocked Jimmy Butler at the rim and I'm like, refer it, refer it. And then like the coaching staff saw the replay and straight away didn't. And I saw the replay. I was like, all right. Yeah, that was, yeah, he, that was he a foul. He, he got him in the head. Like, <laughs> it looked good at the time. It looked clean, but it wasn't. Have you ever heard Eric Collins, uh, going crazy during one of these calls from across the arena. Oh, I love it. I just absolutely love it. So <laughs> the second half of the season, as fans came in, um, you know, they moved Eric back to what I, I guess is his normal position, which is with both of us on the same side of the arena. And every once in a while, you know, a big play will happen. And I just catch him falling out of his chair <laughs> you know, a couple of rows down. The, the thing, you know, I've, I've admired Eric's work for a long time. He, he had Southern California roots as well. Um, so, you know, I know a lot of people who knew Eric. And when I got the job, a lot of people were like, you're going to love him. You're just going to love him. He's such a great guy. such a great family man. Uh, he's, he's really been spectacular to me. And I love his calls. And I know I can't do them the same way. I've got to be true to myself. And he's told me that you, you do you. You know, don't try and be anyone else. He said that's one of the best tips he ever got and something that he learned early and and I've always tried to do the same thing, but it's nice to hear it reinforced by a pro. But when you hear him going nuts, that's Eric. That's who he is. That's how he sees it. And, you know, this is not a show. This is Eric Collins being genuine and true. And I think that's why it resonates so much uh, with the fans out there, because it, it's an honest reflection of an incredible announcer's 
perspective on the game. And, and hopefully that's what, you know, comes through to everyone else as much as it comes through to me. Yeah. And I, it's, go ahead, James. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, Eric's been doing that for like a year or two now, but it's, it just seems like everyone's realized this year because I think probably a little bit of the mellow effect, a little bit Hornets, more, a little bit more in the national eye kind of, but he's been that way since like day one now. And I, I remember the very first time uh, I, I watched an Eric Collins game and I thought, oh, this guy's, it, it just captures me off guard because I'm so used to watching basketball and you get a, a certain type of commentator. And then all of a sudden, like, this guy's going crazy. And I was like, what, what is this I'm watching? Like, it's just so, uh, it's unique, like like you're saying. And you're right, Not no one's going to be able to do Eric. Like, if, if anyone starts dropping, like, you know, tougher than whale lips or t- woodpecker lips. <laughs> woodpecker, like, that, yeah. That was go. it. If, if anyone's, you know, if you drop that, everyone's just going to be like, well, it doesn't really work. So you, you're 100% right in that. You've you got to be true to who you are. So that's great. And, and, you know, I think it's great that the team is, is maybe catching up to Eric in terms of, you know, Eric's call, like you mentioned, it's been spectacular for a long time. One of my mentors coming up in the business um, and, and, you know, he had been doing it for decades is Ralph Lawler, who is the former television and radio broadcaster for the Los Angeles Clippers. And he is a spectacular broadcaster and there's all these little Lawlerisms. Uh, Lawler's law is one that I, try and drop whenever the team's playing the Clippers, which has only been once so far, but Lawler's Law is first to 100 wins. It's the law. And he has these little things that he dropped into games, and he never got the credit for it because the Clippers were bad. They were a bad team for a long time. But getting to work under him and learn from him, you learn how you know important the prep is and the, the study and the craft and just being true to yourself because, you know, Ralph was always great. He didn't get great when Blake Griffin showed up in Los Angeles. He was always great. Blake Griffin and the Clippers caught up to him. Um, So, you know, I think in a a smaller sense, maybe that's happening right now, a smaller net. There's not been two decades of terrible for, uh, for Eric to have to deal with, Uh, you know, he he's getting his due right now and his due attention. Um, But, you know, it's something that I think a lot of broadcasters, you know, not to say the ones like, you know, Chick Hearn, it was, it was the, one of the greatest of all time. Truly, he would have been whether he was with the Lakers or the Clippers, but he was with the Lakers and they won a lot of championships. So it helps. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So just, just one more question. I'm sorry, we've run a bit over here. You've been really generous with your time, Sam. So I really appreciate that. But before we go, we are, from each guest, we get a bold Hornets prediction, which can be about a player, the team, absolutely anything. Um, we would like to get your, your bold Hornets prediction for, for the remainder of this season, for the season. Remainder of this season. That's a good one. Um, I was going to, I would say. Well, you can not remainder of the season. If you, if you've got one locked and loaded, ready to go, you you throw that out there. I'll say this. I think the Hornets will have an all-star next season. I think there will be an all-star from Charlotte next season. I think this Mm. between Gordon Hayward, hopefully playing a, a, you know, Fuller season with more attention on him. Uh, he did play a full season the first half. He, he was certainly in consideration, but uh, hopefully with more attention on him and or LaMelo Ball, hopefully it's in the cards. LaMelo Ball in an all-star game. That's going to be something you're not going to want to miss. I'm, I'm telling you right now. Like, that's going to be a show. I mean, his game him, was him and Miles Bridges in the, uh, you know, in the dunk contest would be a lot of fun too. Yeah. I, I, it'd be really interesting to see if Miles does it next year. Because I think, I, think I think he reportedly 
turned it down this year, as did a string of NBA players. But um, I, I definitely feel like the Miles dunking hype train is like like Eric, because with Eric, almost kind of in a symbiotic like relationship has just gone to a new level. And he's had some, you know, incredible... So you haven't had your... You haven't had uh, many kind of boring games or moments this year. Like you've had some dunks, some game winners, some Lamelo passes, which I know it's just a pass, but oh my God, every night there's one, isn't there? Like you've not been short of content this year, that's for sure. It is really an incredibly exciting team. And we're just so excited that we can finally share it with our fans. So, you know, whether you're from out of market and you're getting a chance to tune into podcasts like yours or ours uh, and, and take in some of the content, or if you're able to make it out to a game, uh, you know, there's only eight games left or, so, you know, seven after tomorrow uh, games left on the regular season, but hopefully you can make it out to them. Hornets.com for all your ticket information. Season ticket packages are already available for next year. So if you feel more comfortable waiting until your vaccine is kicked in or whatnot, no problem. Get some season tickets because they're definitely going to go fast. And hopefully we'll have some play in and play off games to host at Hive as well. And also, Sam, where can people find your podcast uh, if people want to do? So it should be up wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, but Hornets Hivecast, we send links out to it every day on Twitter. You can follow me at Sam Farber Live. Um, and then through the Hornets mobile app as well, there should be links available to it. But generally speaking, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Hornets Hivecast is its name. And uh, we put one out every day. We'll uh, be recording ours a little bit later tonight for uh, our preview for tomorrow's game. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting next couple of weeks. I mean, we all got to strap. We all got to strap in now. It's going to be eventful. So, uh, thank you for coming on, and we will hopefully catch up with you again in the future. I would love that. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you, Sam.